Yosemite Sam just turned the mighty 77, and we got our first look at some onset photos from Coyote versus Acme. So, of course, you realize this means podcast. Hello, and welcome to Of Course You Realize This Means Podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Graves, and with me today, it is my pleasure to bring on a, another artist that I truly love their art and uh, everything that they're doing over with the Chuck Jones Gallery and on their own with a steampunk version of Marvin the Martian and so many parodies with Looney Tunes characters, such as Star Wars and Mandalorian, infused with Marvin the Martian and Bugs Bunny and everybody. Uh, so Ben Olson, welcome to the show. You are on Instagram at Ben Olson underscore art. That's where people can find you. Can't wait to talk about your art. Well, thanks, man. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. And now that I hear you do the intro and this means I'm like, oh, that's brilliant. Oh, thank you. <laughs> You're a Looney Tunes fan from way back, I'm guessing. And oh, yeah. It must be a delight to be able to work with these characters in fine art. You have Marvin the Martian, as I mentioned, but also Dino and Daffy and uh, the Hanna-Barbera catalog, along with the Looney Tunes catalog. How did you come about this profession? So, uh, you know, like most of us in this, in, in our age group, uh, you know, we grew up with Saturday morning cartoons, right? And uh, the what would always resonate with me are like some frizz, which I know we'll get into tonight, um, and Charles M. Jones director and yes. those those animated films just connected with me on so many levels and they were funny to me as a kid and then as I got into like older teenage years and 20s and 30s and now they're even more hilarious so <laughs> you know like that was that that sense of humor and you know um and just joy and slap happiness is like part of my sense of humor and a big part of that is Chuck Jones so um, back in 2008, I ended up meeting his grandson, Craig Cawson, who uh, is the CEO of Linda Jones Enterprises, uh, chairman of the Chuck Jones Center for Creativity. And he was he came out with one of the Oscars that Chuck had won and was doing a show, you know, at a gallery here and, and had some original Looney Tunes artwork and stuff like that. And I'm a huge fan of production sketches, like production animation sketches. Like, that's my jam, man. Like, cells are great, but give me the drawings. So... Um, <laughs> And, and Chuck specifically, Chuck specific, like the way that dude rocks a pencil or an ink brush pen, man, um, you know, I was learning from him and I didn't even know him. So I ended up meeting him and, uh, and, and got to know him a little bit and, that's you know, so cool. you, yeah. And, and that, I was kind of like, all right, that's cool. And I meet him and we were just chit-chatting a little bit. And, and I remember he, t he told me something like while we were there and it stuck with me to this day. And he was like, you know what? There's something here like you and I there's something here I don't know what it is but we need to stay connected and I was like this what <laughs> you know I'm I'm what maybe it was a little earlier than 20 no it was 2008 and and so like I you know I was in my late I don't even know I don't even know how to count now I, I think maybe early 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 30s late 20s but for a I kid who grew, who grew up and like when I went to the high school library and I saw the cover of Chuck and Muck and I'm like, that's the guy who does all the stuff that I love. So to fast forward into, you know, as an adult and to meet the grandson of the dude who like is like the guy for my yeah, stuff, I yeah. kind of melted out. And so, um, so a, a few years kind of passed by and we would chit chat every, every once in a while. 
And then uh, we, we, we had we had some similar life experiences. Um, so like he had already passed through them and I was coming through them and we, we, he would chit chat with me a little bit. And then I remember in like it was really hitting hard in 2012 and uh, life was kind of coming apart at the seams a bit. And he was like, um, I think you should come out. I think you should come out. Like it's Chuck's hundredth birthday. We're doing the Jones family gathering. You don't just, you're my guest, right? You're my guest. And I'm like, what? And, and so, and uh, yeah, I was going through a really like, like super like tense divorce, right. With kids involved. And it was getting, it was like one of those things where you just kind of feel like a shell of yourself. And it's just kind of like one bullet after another coming at you. And so he invited me out for this and I'm like, okay. And I go out for Chuck's 100th birthday. And I, he passed in 2002 since 2012. Yes. And, uh, and so I'm out there and like meeting Leonard Malton and Eric Goldberg and a whole bunch of other dudes, right. Who are like, I grew up with like, oh, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, uh, totally. I'm sitting at his head table, you know, for dinner and stuff and chit chatting with people. And I was like, oh my gosh. And so that developed a little bit more. I ended up working with the center on some stuff because Chuck was really big on mentoring on, you know, pouring himself out into other people, creativity and imagination. It didn't just mean art, right? It's, it's using your head and your brain. Like this yeah. is your most powerful creative tool, not a pencil. And so um, to be able to kind of marinate in that over a couple of years and help out with some things here and there. And he asked me to join the board. So I did. And, uh, and then I got an opportunity, you know, for during a red dot thing. And, and I was like, you know, I'm, I'm doing some stuff and what does it take to, and, and they were like, we, would you like to, you know, we'd like you to, would you like to do this? Like fine art on the fine art side. And I'm like, Oh, 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 would I? And so, um, you know, I had started my own business. I was doing a lot of design work and advertising and branding and stuff. And, and the fine art was my major in school. I always wanted to be an animator, never did. And I went to school for fine oh, art wow. illustration. Yeah. Realizing now I would have never animation would have been, I, I would have got bored. And, and, and the reason I say that is I have to do multiple things. I can't just do one. So I design, I paint, I film, I do all kinds of jet and I have to like my ADD works. Great. <laughs> I, um, I feel like I'm the same way. Yes. Right. You gotta, you like, you, you ha your brain has to be entertained in multiple ways, which is great. So, you know, getting to do the fine art stuff was that to me was my window into the animated world of, well, I'm not animating a cartoon. I'm painting stuff from the stuff that I love. And man, these dudes give me a wide berth. So I've been with them with the gallery, I want to say eight years now. And congrats. congrats. Yeah, thank you. And didn't really, didn't really do it. Like I was doing some stuff with it, but it wasn't until COVID hit and my for pro like my design business just got shredded. So did my nonprofit. Oh, no. my non oh dude. Well, yeah, because I do branding for events and all kinds of stuff. And Illinois was a lockdown state. Oh my and, gosh. Um, and so I went from, I went from multiple, like projects in the queue, projects active, proposals out. I went from that to a hard stop of nothing in three weeks. Wow. So, that is so insane. Yeah. My entire year in 2020 got wiped out by the, by mid April. And I had, I'm like, okay, so what are we going to do? And I've got a studio space, you know, like it's sure. 4,000 square feet of studio space. I've got stuff going on. Those, so, those are stacking up. I'm sure. Oh yeah. And so that, but the fine art stuff, they were like, well, let's try doing like a zoom thing or whatever. And I'm like, all right, whatever. 
and let's test it out. We'll use you as the test guy. Are you cool? And I'm like, yeah, whatever. We'll, we'll do that. And, and I did a little art thing. You know, I did a creative side chat with those guys. Craig hosted it and pe people bought a bunch of my stuff. One of them being like a Yosemite Sam piece that I had with the giant stash. Nice. And uh, yeah. And, and I was like, okay. And then I ended up hosting those. They're like, um, could you host those instead also? And I'm like, sure. So artists interviewing artists and just having a blast. And uh, it, the last three years, man, no joke has, I've seen a shift in my career from heavy design branding into heavy fine art while still doing design. I keep my big clients and, you know, and, and the ones that I've had for a long time, but the demand for this stuff has gone up. So I'm pouring more time into that. That's the long and the short of it. That's great. Uh, congratulations on your tenure there. I mean, you're almost at 10 years and the almost. art that you're the art that you're producing is just constantly invigorating my love for these characters, but also it's just great to see the mishmash of parody that you're coming up <laughs> with. And that's one of the aspects of Looney Tunes that I love dearly. And it's currently not so much featured in the new shorts that we're getting on HBO Max, but you're injecting it back into the, the art. And I, I love it for that for that reason alone. I also have a Craig Cawson story. Um, I got to meet him in 2011, I want to say, at Comic-Con. Uh, there was a Chuck Jones gallery in San Diego. Yep. And I walk in and I had no idea going there. I had no idea that this was even going to be there. I step through the door and I just, I see wall-to-wall -wall Chuck Jones art. And I walk in and I'm just like mouth agape, like I have no words. <laughs> and then he comes over and he goes, oh, are you a fan? <laughs> and I was like, boy, am I a fan? And he goes, what's your favorite short? And I was like, I, I just froze. And I was like, I can't narrow it down to just one. And uh, and then he ended up signing a, a piece for me and I have held it with me ever since. And, and then I got a invite to that centennial celebration um, in Glendale. And I was there too. Yeah. Were you really? <laughs> I was. That's awesome. <laughs> I was way up uh, on the, the balcony, but I was there. Yeah. Well, okay. So I was also up on the balcony, right? Oh. I had, I had seats. Like I was at the front of the balcony because I, I remember June Foray walking up right past me, you know, and after she gave her little thing and like this tiny little woman, you know, who I'm like, is a legend. Yeah. I was up in the front of the balcony, like toward the middle. That's hilarious. I, that is a vivid memory in my mind and it will stay yes. there. Uh, like listening to June for a talk and like that, that entire night is just magical. Um, I'm, I'm so glad you were there too. Like that, that Dude, makes it even hilarious. more special. So <laughs> <laughs> who knew? Right. But yeah. Like, so with Yosemite Sam, you were saying that you have a piece of his and, and like that mustache can never be too big. Like you can never make it too big. <laughs> so that's awesome. Yeah, it was like called the stash and it was like super exaggerated. And it was like, I have a stripey like pop art kind of style to it. And that's what I did it in. But it, it goes around and, and it was long too. It was like an 18 by 36 painting. <laughs> yeah, was, I love it. I love that mustache. It's fantastic. And it's also a character builder. Like without that stash, you wouldn't be able to have the character. <laughs> no, no, you wouldn't. It wouldn't make any sense. So let's talk about some Looney Tunes news. This week, we were very fortunate to have a couple of set photos come out for the Coyote versus Acme film, which is being produced and written by James Gunn and directed by Dave Green. We have some really fun 
nerdy Looney Tunes references in these photos. Apparently, we have a building that is called the Avery Jones and Maltese Attorneys. And I'm assuming this is where uh, we're going to find our defense attorney for Wiley Coyote, played by Will Forte. And for those who are listening to this podcast, I 100% know that Avery Jones and Maltese mean something to you. <laughs> oh. um, so... Tex Avery was a Looney Tunes director. Chuck Jones, who we're gushing over, is a Looney Tunes director and the creator of Wiley Coyote. And Michael Maltese was a longtime collaborator of both. And yeah, so just having that love for the history in this movie already propels it in my mind of, oh, they're taking their time. They're putting a lot of care. They love these cartoons. They're going to pay homage respectfully to these cartoons. And uh, yeah, so that's what I got out of it. Uh, what did you take up from, uh, from just that name? So I, you know, like you go back to the kind of the, that birth, like that golden Disney era of animation, right. And, and, and Walt's doing these super real, you know, like he, he was more into realism and bringing animated life, right. Tex Avery comes into the game is like, right. We're going to go opposite of that. And right. we're going to squash, stretch, bang, pop, slap, you know, all the other kind of stuff. And, and, and there, there becomes that separation in different styles. And so, uh, you know, I, I love Tex Avery stuff. Like the dude was a massive innovator and in what he did. And then of course, Absolutely. Chuck, Chuck takes it. And, and what I, what I love about Chuck and Maltese together is like those guys wrote things that were funny to them. Right. Yes. If they thought it was hilarious. That's what they went with. They didn't write in Chuck is, you know, I mean, he's quoted all over the place for saying this, we didn't write for kids. Like we didn't write down to the audience. We wrote for us. And if it was funny, we wrote it in, which is why when we can watch it now, you know, as 40 something year old dudes, I mean, you may be way younger than me. I'm, I've got all the gray to go with it. 35, um, but I'm, all I'm right, getting there. there. You go. I'm, <laughs> all right. I'm 42. I'm about to hit 43. So, but like our, like as adults, we can watch these things and it's, it's just as funny because we, we, we know we can see what they're writing, what they, what made them laugh at an adult level. So the Maltese Jones combo is just a gold mine. It is. And I, you know, age like fine wine, you have these comedic masters at work uh, within the world of animation. And again, the, the level of, of appreciation of the source material is what I'm seeing on display. And that has me excited for this movie. Yeah. And, and I'll, I'll tell you the, I had no idea until I saw your email. I'm like, wait, they're filming a what? And then when I saw James Gunn on it, I'm like, if there was a dude to write this, I'm like, yeah, I think that might be the guy because like, I love guardians. Right. Um, I, I love a lot of the stuff that he's done. He's got that kind of sense of humor to it. Maybe Chuck and Avery were influences in Maltese and that. So like, like George Lucas was influenced by Chuck Jones. So you see all these yeah, like yeah. legends that were, so maybe Gunn is, which is great. And I think the only thing that I always hesitate with when it comes to Looney Tunes films is there, I think there's uh, Matthew O'Callaghan, I think was his name. He did three Wiley Coyote Roadrunner shorts and they were all C like CG, right? CGI. Oh, right. Yeah. And, and I think that his interpretations of the, of the characters in there was so spot on to what Chuck did with Mike and how they wrote those um that he made you know he turned a segue he made a whole thing out of a segue but it was funny and it was it was it was new but it was in line with what the who the character was right and some of the films that come out they you know they're just like putting looney tunes characters in stuff 
and you're like, oh, okay. Like I know we're going to get Space Jam and Space Jam 2 specifically too. Uh, and, and where it's just kind of like, ah, you know, so I, to see this come together in, in the way it is, I'm like, Coyote versus Acme. I'm like, yes. And if they go the route where the dude, like Acme works, the products work. He's just inept at how he pulls these things off. And man, like I, <laughs> I want to see it. I want to see where it goes. I think John Cena's hilarious. So I think they've got an interesting cast, you know, that they're pulling it off, but to have, you know, to have that in there and, and I'm like, man, it, for, for James Gunn to be writing and producing it, like that gives me more of a sense of like, I can't wait to see what you do with this. Yeah, absolutely. And they're filming currently in Albuquerque, New Mexico. So you got that desert setting. And as you mentioned, it's uh, going to be uh, a fantastic cast of John Cena, Will Forte and Lana Condor so far. They can all be funny and they oh. can all be very funny. So yes. I, I cannot wait to see them act opposite of some some classic cartoon characters. And we'll see we'll see if they if they adhere to some of the nine rules that Chuck and Mike put in. Like there's nine a set of nine rules that Chuck had for the Wiley Cody Roadrunner films. Oh, that's right. That's right. Do you do you know them off the top of your head? Uh, I can spout a few of them. So like the Roadrunner can never harm the coyote right he he can he can do the beep beep the meat meat whatever but mm-hmm. he doesn't he can't inflict any harm so it's just like him getting scared and you know kind of getting scared because he came up behind him and off the cliff he goes acne products work correctly but he uses them incorrectly like he's just inept at him so it's not the acne products fault it's not a faulty product it's always the coyote's use of those uh the coyote doesn't speak of course until the late 80s of course of uh, course but um, but you know it, in in that original nine rules you know Wiley Cody didn't speak uh, there were man there were there's not I used to I used to know them go ahead I'm ready to add to your uh, to yours that you've already read yes so yeah the ones you already said as well as uh, no outside force can harm the coyote only his own ineptitude or the <laughs> failure of the Acme products. <laughs> the coyote could stop any time if he were not a fanatic. Uh, repeat a fanatic is one who redoubles his efforts when he has forgotten his aim <laughs> rule four no dialogue ever except beep yep. beep yep uh, rule five the roadrunner must stay on the road otherwise logically he would not be called roadrunner i like that one mm-hmm. rule six all actions must be confined to the natural environment of the two characters the southwest american desert Rule seven, all materials, tools, weapons, or mechanical conveniences must be obtained from the Agni Corporation. Number eight, whenever possible, make gravity the coyote's greatest enemy. (laughs) And rule number nine, the coyote is always more humiliated than harmed by his failures. And and you know what I love about that? So when they they originally pitched the producer, and I forget, I don't think it was Leon Schlesinger, I don't remember who it was, but they originally produced, like, they wanted like a new thing. And so he was like, all right, you have like a cat and mouse thing, except for this was a coyote and a roadrunner. And uh, I think he was like, what? That's dumb. Who's going to want that? Of course they proved him wrong, yes. but <laughs> you, you, could, you could, with, with that scenario, you could do anything. Right. So how creative can you be when you have no rules uh, as creative as you want to be? How creative can you be when you put yourself in a little pen? Ah, so that's what I loved about this is they didn't just go, willy-nilly off and do whatever right and, and it wasn't just like another cat mouse thing it was a it was a 
well thought out like here are the parameters of the stuff and i don't i don't ever need to leave need to see them leave this american southwest it's every time the dude runs into a painted tunnel wall right i mean wiley cody has fabulous tunnel paintings and <laughs> you know falls off the cliff and then and then you just see it in the eyes and you know and then that whistle going out and then bam just I, yes every single time and i it, it never gets old just perfection and uh, agreed anytime you're backed up into a corner as an artist that makes you more creative that releases the juices that create uh such problem solving mentalities and i think that's exactly what their mentality was with creating these rules as you said so i'm really glad that they had that in place from the start and they never shied away from that Mm-mm. and it shows it shows you know again aged like fine wine <laughs> <laughs> yeah all right, and moving on. So we're here to celebrate the roughest, toughest Yosemite Sam. It's Yosemite Sam. Yosemite. Yeah, Yosemite Sam. The roughest, toughest He-Man, stuffest hombre has ever crossed the Rio Grande. And I ain't no man be pandy. He, he's been a pirate. He's been a. Uh, he's been riffraff Sam. He's been all over the all over the globe, but he is always after that rabbit. Sometimes I reach a rabbit without a single sound And then I pull the trigger and the rabbit hits the ground Squirrels too are very cute as they go up a tree But with my trusty rifle they can't escape from me And that's why we love him. Uh, this is Yosemite Sam's 77th year since being introduced by Frizz Freeling, who wanted a new adversary for Bugs Bunny because he felt that Elmer Fudd was too sad of an adversary. He was too simple-minded. And it became to the point where Bugs Bunny would get one over on Elmer and then Elmer would go cry about it. <laughs> yeah. and, and it made Frizz Freeling feel like, oh, Bugs is now a bully. And anything he does after this, it just comes off as mean. And he wanted somebody to have a a stronger adversarial structure about him. And so they they pulled from all of these influences and there were a bunch of prototypes before we got Yosemite Sam. But whenever he entered the stage, man, did he enter the stage. Here he comes. Bow-legged varmints care to slap leather with me? In case any of you get any ideas, you better know who you're dealing with. I'm the hootinest, tootinest, shootinest, bobtail wildcat in the West. (laughs) That ten-gallon hat, and he was short, he was angry, he had a big mustache. (laughs) Uh, What is it you love about Yosemite Sam, and why has this character lasted for so long? I, I think, you know, there, for one, he's th- that whole, there, we all have that inner rage at some point, right? And, and he's, he's just continually acting it out. And then he gets in his own way with it. So what, what I love about it too, is when, when Yosemite Sam does something, you know, like cut the cards and like, so <laughs> dude, Bugs comes out with an ax and cuts the cards, right? Kim Romance, my game, Sam. Okay, cut the cards. 
And, you know, like these intentions of like, I'm a rough, tough, blah, blah, blah. Right. But when there's humor countered with it, it, it you know, what to me, because I get this way every long once in a while, you know, where you kind of get a little rah, 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 and then somebody somebody cuts it with some humor. And, and at that point, you're like, yeah, maybe I need to calm down a little bit, you know. And yeah. so but he doesn't. He just keeps going. Right. It just makes him angrier. And he, it, it's that like dive off the cliff you know that he's continually doing with bugs as he's like so intent and like the rage just kind of blocks his view so i i love that and because it, it leads to so many hilarious moments you know and it truly does what, what i didn't realize either um until i looked up some stuff specifically on um the first one uh hair was it hair trigger hair trigger yep hair trigger um was that was the first time that the animation crew was in the credits oh like, wow yeah it was like just the director producer whatever and like no this time the animators got their credit and stuff which i thought was interesting that's just a little side note but yeah it, you know for for text to bring and i uh, which i agree with that synopsis yes he needed someone who's to not make bugs look like the bully when bugs was countering whatever he was doing with humor exactly so uh, and and you know you get into the sahara that i remember from a kid him on that camel, you know, and the <laughs> and just it's hilarious. Great horny toes, a trespasser, getting footy prints all over my desert. Yeah, mule, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's still hilarious to me. I went back and watched another clip of it um, today before this because I'm like, man, I'm like, I haven't seen that cartoon in a while, and because I watched a lot of Chuck stuff, obviously, but Frizz is right up there with it. So I went back and watched several when i say whoa i mean whoa <laughs> whoa. <laughs> whoa camel whoa 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 camel whoa oh, come on, whoa when i say whoa i mean whoa. it is just you know wall-to-wall laughs when it and it yeah it, it is him getting in his own way it is very frustrating for him as a character to succeed <laughs> and two podcasts ago i covered where he was uh the money grubbing guy who's trying to court granny and get her to <laughs> like leave yes. her money behind and uh and just you know t- take it for his own and he again he just gets in the way of himself succeeding by you know, telling his plan to Bugs before he goes in. <laughs> so Bugs like has every time village does. to prepare. They monologue it, and then yeah. you're done. <laughs> you got to stop monologuing. <laughs> but, you, you know, like, I, I look at even, it, which is why I love the, you know, how Tex pulled it off with countering that anger with humor, you know, yeah. and, 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 and taking him almost literally, you know, so when it's like, this town ain't big enough for the two of us. And so Bugs goes out and builds like a giant city. Like, was that good now? How about that? Right, yeah. And uh, and I'm like, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Just like Gary Cooper, huh? Hey, what's up, Doc? What's up, Doc? Listen, stranger, this town ain't big enough for the two of us. It ain't? Uh, Pardon me, Mac. Now is it big enough? No, still ain't big enough. And now you're a getting out of town. And I think that that flavor to me, 
you know, when I watch something like that, it's kind of a, a little, you know, Chuck had a, has a quote on like, never take your, always take your work, but never yourself seriously. Right. Yeah. And, uh, and, and I think like the, that can be encapsulated in the Yosemite Sam Bugs Bunny relationship where Yosemite Sam is always taking himself seriously and Bugs is totally not, you know, and, and at the end of the day, like, you're like, yeah, I'd rather be in the Bugs camp. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, um, so let's let's dive into Hair Trigger. Uh, that's the first appearance we have of the true formed uh, Yosemite Sam. As many of these characters go through iterations, they do change. They be they do become more of the characters that we know and love. Uh, but some do not. Some are actually like right out of the gate. Uh, they're the character we love, and that's that's how it is. Uh, Yosemite Sam actually went through some changes before we got there, but we finally got there in 1945 with the first Freeling short Hair Trigger. Just Frizz injecting his own style of humor into this and and putting him <laughs> putting him at, at this impasse with bugs who will not let him rob this train. You know, it's it's endlessly funny and the humor hits and we're introduced to, you know, this short tempered and even shorter man. And <laughs> it's just it's a really fun uh, short to revisit. You just watched it. What, what did you think of this one? It, it's it's kind of like the ultimate Napoleon complex, you know. Yes. Uh, which, which is what I what I love about it, you know. And and the you're right in like the timing of things. Like things just hit on certain beats, and if they didn't hit on that, it wouldn't be as funny. And I thought that's what both um, Frizz and Chuck did really well. Was time, like Chuck's famous for his timing, like. Frizz was really good with timing, you know, and timing those gags and to have something countered every time so that, you know, even if you break down the film and how they do things and like you'll see things shrink by half, by half, by half, by half, long, half by half, like there's a whole rhythm to it that I had no idea until I got older of why I laughed as hard as I did and how they kept me moving through the film is because how they would time their gags and then the frequency of that. And I'm like, that's genius. Yeah. So yeah, it, it that, that stuff is, you know, it, it's the things that you don't see that are kind of behind the scenes that you're like, oh, there's a science to this. But yeah, him, him, I mean, it's the, it's the ultimate, what I loved about the, the uh, matchups between Yosemite Sam and Bugs Bunny was that classic, it's, it's the genre, it's the Western genre. Hey, what's up, Jack? What's up? Why, you wanna refer Baron Critter? This year's one of them there train robbery holdups. Yeah? Well, you must be Jesse James. Jesse James? Ha ha ha! Right? Yes. And, and while we don't really see a lot of the Western drama currently, you know, we see a little bit of it, but it wasn't as big as it was back in like the 40s and 50s. Oh, not at all. Uh, it, but it, it's, you can still see stuff and it's, because I've watched enough Westerns, it's freaking hilarious, you know, <laughs> and the, the train robbery thing and, and take that all the way to the Mandalorian, you know, and what they infuse in that yeah. when, they, when they're dealing with genres and they had the, the train heist, right? That was in Book of Boba Fett. So like there's, there's those kind of key uh, iconic pieces in films, right? That you can use over and over again. And that's what I loved about Hair Trigger, you know, and what they pulled off there was it's the ultimate train heist. 
going wrong. It is. And again, it's parody. Parody done right is always funny. Mm-hmm. And, and doing a parody of such a, like a, a genre like a Western, which was so popular at the time. Like that was when Westerns were like superhero movies are today. Like they were like, yes. you know, a big event at the cinema. And to have this parody play in front of a Warner Brothers picture in cinemas, oh my God, like, can you imagine what that would be like? That would be like the your favorite characters today reenacting a superhero story that's endlessly fill, filled with laughs, references, pop culture references. Yeah. Like, there is no comparable media out there. And no. I really nope. wish that uh, these HBO Max shorts leaned into that a bit more and then also were put in front of Warner, Warner Brothers movies. Like, can you imagine uh, the modern era of Looney Tunes being in front of the Batman, doing a Batman parody? Which would be, and how many, Batsuit, that guy, yeah. right? Batsuit, Wiley Coyote. I mean, it, you got any, anything from super bugs to stupid duck to all, I mean, yes. And they have that. And I'm like, why? I agree with you. I'm like, why is that not in there? Like Pixar puts animated shorts in right. front of theirs. Well, Pixar uses that as like a training ground for like, you know, up and coming directors and writers and That's stuff right. like that. I'm like, well, you have so much gold and material of these legendary characters that have been around for decades and decades and decades. And, and, and you have the other IPs, like you've got the Batman, the DC stuff, I'm like, um, kind of makes sense to me. Yeah, me too. Me too. So Yosemite Sam is one of the most versatile actors in the Looney Tunes repertoire. We have him be a pirate. We have him be a cowboy. We have him be a knight in Nighty Night Bugs, which won them an Academy Award. And it's very beloved by me (laughs) because I grew up going to the Six Flags in San Antonio where they actually have a ride constructed around that short. And so it is near and dear to my heart for sure. Um, but what are some of your favorite costumes for Yosemite to don? So, you know, the, the cowboy one is is for sure, like, right there, right? But to go back to an earlier comment, when in the, the Sahara film, uh, yes, that that's that's the first time I remember Yosemite Sam, you know? Oh, wow. Okay. And, yeah. and so, like, in, in the Saturday morning cartoon, so my, my first introduction to him, and it's just, it sticks in like a vivid memory, man. Was, was that film. And so I tend to go toward his cold Middle Eastern garb. And, and that's, that's it. Like that, that to me is like, I know like we've got cowboy and we've got, you know, pirate and all the other kind of stuff. And I love all those, but that's my entry point at Yosemite Sam when I was a kid. So that's the one that ranks the top for me. When I say, whoa, I mean, whoa. Very nice. And that one is hilarious. There are so many good jokes in that. Oh yeah. And, the way that Yosemite carries himself lends itself to having all of these creative choices made around these gags for him. Um, For example, you have bugs like building a fortress and Yosemite trying to like catapult his way and he'll just like hit a brick and the brick will go in a little bit. Um, And like, there's, you, you couldn't get that with Elmer. There's no way you could get that with Elmer. No. And so you had a thinking villain and that is exactly what Frizz wanted. And that's what he got. Charge! I love this character. And then you had even more versatility when they're parodying Pulp Fiction and Space Jam. (laughs) 
it's Yosemite next to Elmer Fudd. And that's great. I want more of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Give me more Quentin Tarantino parodies, please, and Looney Tunes. We actually, fun fact, we just watched Death Proof in, at the New Bev. And uh, that's Quentin Tarantino's mm-hmm. theater. And uh, my wife leans over and she goes, oh, I see why you like this. It's pure Looney Tunes. <laughs> well, Quentin- and I had never, yeah, I had never looked at it through that, through that lens before, but it really is. And, and Quentin like credits Chuck Jones for like inspiration of what, you know, when he was growing up. Yeah. And it was because of Quentin Tarantino that I actually got to see uh, Kung Fu Hustle in theaters, which is also an homage to Chuck Jones. And yeah, it's just this, the, the, there is a never ending well of inspiration from these shorts yep. and from these character types and from these character designs and the things that make them funny. Then, uh, you know, they're, they're still mostly funny now. <laughs> Absolutely. Which we're discovering. I've got my shark rod, my shark hook. Now all I need is my shark bait. Bait? I thought this was an all-you-can-eat seafood cruise to Fiji. On HBO Max, obviously, we have a continuation of Yosemite Sam in the, you know, thanks to Fred Tatashore and his vocal range, as well as the art team over there, who I feel like they, they do a pretty good job of nailing the design of Yosemite Sam in this new show. He's, you know, he's got his unique look to him. Um, with the big mustache and the red hair. And I, I, I feel like he has his own vibrancy, but I also feel like they took it back to those classic for his shorts where he is the, the short and angered man, but they, they did take him away from the cowboy aesthetic and they put him into these modern settings. So like he's a, he's an amusement park conductor. He is a fisherman in this uh, newest short that we got with him uh, where he's fishing for sharks and, uh, you know, some of these jokes, they go pretty gross with, uh, I, I was just thinking of Bugs Bunny putting a bunch of chum in this shark suit and then putting Yosemite in it and then having him swim out and all these sharks come up and just like rip him to bits. So it's, you know, not for all ages, <laughs> I would say, but, you know, it, it's got its own charm to it. And, that, and I appreciate them going down this retro well of what makes these characters great and then pulling that into this new branded show. So with all that being said, I do, I do understand that, you know, it would be nice to have the classic Western type archetype back with Yosemite Sam being put in that role. Uh, But do you think that that would be a viable uh, uh, platform for this character in this modern age? So I, I, you can't even know what Westerns are. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right, right. I'm like, I don't think so. Like, the, what was the last big Western that you saw? Like, and I, I have to go back and think about it. I'm like, um, Magnificent Seven, Tombstone, Django Unchained. Uh, Three Tendi Yuma was uh, pretty yes. big. Yeah, Russell Crowe, that was a great film. So, yeah, I, I think there, there's, you know, there, there's some in there. And for me... You know, I, I always I, I do like the fact that they go back to the, the more classic style. Right. I think that that's a to me that it's not just nostalgia. That's kind of like paying homage in a way. And I think with as long as you're true to the character's archetype. Right. You can yeah. you can put it in, you know, just like they did in their era, Westerns mm-hmm. and, you know, like uh, swashbuckling films and that kind of stuff. They did the same thing. That's just what was in then. So if you take that same character archetype and then you can play it in current roles of what we deal with, you know, every day, 
I think it makes sense. And, and that's where they hit it. That's like, that's where they can, you know, they, they ring the bell every time you're not doing things that are you, that you, that are uncommon to the character. Right. Right. It, right. There, there were other shows that tried that and it, and it didn't make sense because it, it's not who that character was. And specifically for Yosemite Sam, like you're, you know, that, that diabolicalness, you can translate that to modern stuff. You just have to kind of keep in that like constant persistence, you know, and failing and then doubling down and tripling down and, and whatever. And, and you can take what was true about the character that, you know, Frizz worked with and you can bring that into, you know, to where it makes sense today. 100%. And now that you, you say it, I'm waiting for the Looney Tunes in the multiverse movie to happen. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yes. Because that's what's all the rage right now. And I'm like, oh, you know what would fit in perfectly? <laughs> right. Come on, guys. Yeah. But I, I 100% agree. And you can translate Yosemite's anger into so many different jobs and, you know, have him be the head of a bank or have him be uh, like, like a uh, It's a Wonderful Life parody and have him play the old crotchety banker who uh, who won't give poor bugs bunny the loan <laughs> right, right. or or anything any any scenario where there's a, a curmudgeon involved i feel like yosemite would fit that role pretty well i love this character and i i, I hope that he gets the recognition he deserves with obviously his classic roles but also put in new situations that elevate him even more and i'm thinking of uh, the newest space jam because i feel like they didn't really know what to do with Yosemite Sam and mm -hmm. he didn't have any standout scenes or anything, but it, it was nice to see him there. <laughs> right. Right. So I will say that. Um, oh, he did shoot the ball in, in that training montage. Uh, <laughs> I mean, yes. If, if we're, if we're going to be bluntly honest with space jam too. And again, this goes to the, this goes to the, can, if you take a character that has a known personality and you yeah. remove, you remove that just to put them in at that point, it's just another character in a film. Right. And it's just somebody, Oh, I recognize that. Okay. That's fine. But it doesn't ring true to who that was. And that, I mean, I got a lot of problems with space jam too, but um, that there's that to me is what takes the loony out of the Looney tunes a bit. And sure. the, the, there's all kinds of scenarios you could have put that guy in that he could have just gotten angry at and then doubled and tripled down on his failures, you know, as he just kept pursuing whatever it was. And it would have been hilarious. Agreed. Agreed. I mean, different writers have different approaches, but, you know, one thing should stay consistent is that he will double down on the thing that he cannot do. And what, what comes to mind is the high diving hair where he really wants to see someone go off that high dive and, <laughs> and he'll go off that high dive 50 times because bugs will trick him, but he wants to see it for himself. He wants someone else to go. And that determination and that level, you know, of, uh, of grievance, I, I just, it's, it's perpetually hilarious. Well, and, and, and there too, and like the timing of it, as soon as it just was, right and and it yeah. just keeps getting faster faster and yes and then you just keep laughing and, and it i love it that, that's probably my third recognize most recognizable like yosemite sam as a child like clear memories is him going off the high dive into the tiny bucket of water by god the critter went and dumped <laughs> Ha <laughs> ha
<laughs> mine too. Mine too. Yeah. Yeah, that that one was played a lot on on ABC and Saturday morning cartoons, mm-hmm. and uh, I I'm so grateful for that. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously, this character is malleable and versatile. Where would you, dear listener, like to see Yosemite's Sam show up next? He can show up on a spaceship. He can show up in the desert. It can be anything. Uh, I just want to hear your thoughts and where you think you want to see the character show up. And maybe an HBO Max short, maybe a movie. I don't know. Be creative. (laughs) So, Ben, thank you so much for being on the show. Where can people find you online? So uh, I play the most on Instagram. So Ben Olson, O-L-S-O-N underscore art. Uh, that's where all the, that's where it all plays. So whatever I'm, what's ever on the drawing table or the easel, it makes its way to Instagram in, in no short order. Awesome. Awesome. And I will continue sharing your art on my Instagram, which is this means podcast. You can also follow me over on on Twitter at OFC, this means pod or on Facebook at this means podcast. I've been Jonathan Graves and thank you, Ben, for being on the show with me. And remember, that's not all, folks. (laughs) So Red Dot is coming up and it is a it's a it's the kind of one of the main key fundraisers fundraisers for the Chuck Jones Center for Creativity and artists from all over the place will donate a canvas uh, that they've done something of and they'll donate it to the center and that you can't sign the front. Right. So the whole idea is just fall in love with the artwork. And then you sign the back and, you know, who knows what you get at the end, but you, you bid on all these things. And if you know the artist, like there's some bigger name artists in there and, and some um, people who, if you recognize the style, you'd be like, ah, I think I know who that is. But you won't know until you like, you can't flip it over either. It's just, it's on the wall or whatever. And then you're at the end. So Red Dot is coming up and it's in June and it's, we've got, I'm, I'm hosting the, the live show for this, which will be streaming. And man, I can't tell you who we have, um, but I'm, I'm nerding out over who we have. Oh my gosh. Interview is. Yeah. So red dots coming up. It's, it's a blast. You take a look at the artwork on there. Um, you know, it's go, it all goes to a great cause. The Chuck Jones center does so many wonderful things, both in California. And then I've got one here in the, in Illinois, and then I'm going to start another one in, in central Florida. And we're all about spreading the creativity and imagination, you know, and kids and adults. So that's wonderful. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah.